Welcome to another episode of the Capes and Tights podcast right here at capesandtights.com. This episode, episode 79 of the podcast, features Kevin Scott and Nick Brokenshire of Dead Seas at IDW Publishing. This comic book has been released in December, and second issue came out in January, with four more issues to come out for the six-issue miniseries. Uh, it's a great conversation. Both these two also worked on some Star Wars titles, so we actually talked about that as well. Uh, but the focus on this was with Dead Seas and the comic book series they've got going over at IDW. Before you listen, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and Apple, Spotify, and all your major podcasting platforms. Please rate us five stars. But this is episode 79 with uh, Kevin Scott and Nick Brokenshire of Dead Seas from IDW Publishing. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome. How are you two doing? <laughs> Hello. Doing very well, thank you. I think thank I've had you. I had multiple people or people on the podcast. One of the two had an accent, but I think this is the first one that I've had both people from overseas have accents. Ah. Like this. this is this is a this is a first in the podcast. So well, Nick, Nick has two accents as well, depending <laughs> but, on which languages he's speaking. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Well, uh, well, welcome, and, and I'm glad we did this. There was a little hiccup the first time. We won't get into that, but we will say that there was a little hiccup, and then we got to get this going. I'm glad we are able to do this uh, today and chat some comic books with you two. Um, mm. Yeah, so let's get started and just talk about your the two of you's origin story in comic books in general, from collecting mm-hmm. to the creating side. I, I don't know if, Nick, you were late, so you get to go first. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, I mean, uh, I, I always liked comics, um, grew up reading British comics. Um, so we had things called like the Beano and the Dandy and they were, you know, your classic children's books. And then in the in the 70s, 2000 AD started. And in the, in the late 70s, I started reading it. And then that which led to Eagle, the, the British comic Eagle with Dan Dare and all that stuff, uh, which was uh, which came out in the early eighties. Um, and then later on, I I, I I was always aware of Batman and Superman and things like that and Spider-Man obviously, but um, I didn't actually start reading the comics till I was about 15, 16. Um, when Aberdeen got a comic shop, Aberdeen in Scotland. Um, and and I, I stumbled into it and, uh, and, and that was that then. But uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's my basic. Uh, <laughs> comic reading thing and then uh well actually and, and then i got into like the the black and white thing so i i started reading love and rockets and all that sort of thing um around that time and uh but i became i didn't get into the comics industry till my mid-30s um i i worked in other things i worked in on farms and then i ended up being a teacher um and for a few years i was teaching high school and then I decided I didn't want to do that anymore I wanted to do what the thing something I liked and so I, I delved into comic book making and that's it <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent 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 and for you Kevin yeah very similar in, in the background of like reading the British humor titles like the Beano the Dandy Nutty Wizard and Chips um and Marvel UK was everywhere Marvel did seem to do 700 titles a week and they were either reprinting amazing spider-man or things like the transformers weekly was massive huge in fact over here um and so much so they they had to 
have stories in between the American um, monthly because the American was monthly, the mm-hmm. Transformers Weekly was by its very nature weekly, and they ran out of issues of of um, they were going to run out of issues really quickly, so they had to fit stories in between the issues, you know, and so they had a team of people doing that. Star Wars Weekly, which was my introduction to Star Wars, um, so yeah, Marvel was everywhere, but DC wasn't, and DC was something as as Nick said, we we knew obviously. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, I mean, largely from the films and TV, um, but I never really knew them as comic characters mm. until I discovered a copy of DC Comics Presents with Superman and Green Lantern, who I had no idea who he was. Um, <laughs> but I knew Superman, and there was a this guy threatening Superman with an entire planet of kryptonite, so I thought, that's cool. Picked <laughs> this up, and in the same issue, they introduced the Teen Titans um, as a sort of preview. And Robin was in that, and something in my brain went, hang on, if Robin's in the same universe as Superman, that means Batman, then And so I started to try and find DC Comics and led me into a comic shop in Bristol. It was one um, called Forever People. And, yeah, it was to go in and find out who all these characters were in the back of this this one DC comic. I had no idea who the Flash was, and there was a picture of the Flash, you know, and stuff like that. So... It was that's what led me in, and then once I was in there, that was it. I was done for. Um, <laughs> and I still read the British comics, but yeah, the American comics, especially like those interconnected superhero universes, um, which now everyone wants to do. But obviously, comics were the only ones that were really doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah, that's what what got me into it. All. And then, how did that transition into uh, writing comic books? Um, I think it was just a case of I always wanted to do it. And I started, I was a journalist, I was a magazine journalist, mm-hmm. and I started writing radio dramas, um, audio dramas uh, for Doctor Who long before Doctor Who had come back and was mm-hmm. sort of like regenerated, to coin a phrase, for a, a new century. And um, and then when Doctor Who did come back, they needed people who had a history in writing Doctor Who to do all the related stuff that comes around it including comics um and that was my way into it although my first comic strip ever was a um a um, power rangers comic for jetix uk um which i had no knowledge of power rangers whatsoever and had to do a crash course in a day because they needed the script the following day um and so that was the first thing i ever wrote um was a power rangers strip diet power rangers dino thunder i think I could get that wrong. There are so many iterations. Of yes. Rangers, I'm not sure. <laughs> there still is so many iterations. Yeah, of Power exactly. Rangers. <laughs> we were actually talking, I have a book club uh, that we read graphic novels every month at my local mm-hmm. comic book shop. And we just talked about uh, a guest that he had and that it was a Power Rangers uh, uh, actor on one of the, one of the TV shows right. or something like that. And he, he was so funny because he wanted to sign everything. He wanted to sign, right. <laughs> you know, they're like, you weren't the even people. in this show. And he's right, like, okay. I don't know, whatever, I'll sign it. <laughs> But, I mean, I'll do that. I'll sign yeah. anyone's comic, even if I've not worked on it. You know, I'm not. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll cross people's names out <laughs> and put mine on there. I don't care. I've got no shame. <laughs> there was an episode of uh, Big Bang Theory uh, on TBS that was where Sh- uh, Sheldon was meeting Stan Lee, and he brought mm-hmm. him a. He wanted to bring him a uh, issue of Batman, and uh, his friends were like, "Wait, he didn't write Batman." He goes, "Yeah, but I'll be the only one in the world with a Stan Lee co- signed comic book Batman." <laughs> <I'm> like. <laughs> 
okay why not <laughs> why yeah. not exactly yeah. um but that's that's those are cool those are cool stories and that's a cool interesting because i do have a lot of uh guests that come on the podcast that are from the united states so obviously it, the comic book upbringing is a little bit different uh on this side than it is on that side and that's a nice little uh, change of pace to hear uh people coming up uh overseas and seeing them what they what how their mm. comic book origin stories became you know, into fruition, how they got into the comic book industry and so on. Um, what I loved that... about them were the adverts mm-hmm. um, because there was things like, there was this advert, something called M&M's. I didn't have a clue what <laughs> M&M's were, but apparently they wouldn't melt if they were in your hands. And and all these <laughs> other weird and wonderful candies or like ho- hostess pies and things, so, you know, suddenly I'd get very confused because you'd be reading Wonder Woman and suddenly she'd be advertising a pie. Yeah. And we're like, what, what? How's this happen? Um, and yeah, but I, I think that was part of it as well. And now we're so used to each other's culture um, yeah. in because of social media and everything. But when, uh, you know, the, the late 70s, early 80s, it was the only way really, other than films, to to start to hear about these mm-hmm. things, you know. And um, yeah, and it was, I, I think it was, it was the entire world of it and the Americana of it, I think I, I that's what I fell in love with. And so you two, how did you two get together and meet? Uh, was it from Star Wars? It's a dating agency. Um, <laughs> well, we've said the Star Wars story before, so I thought we'd just start making stuff up now. now yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, no, it was from Star Wars. My, my, it was MySpace. My yeah, space. yeah, exactly. MySpace. Um, um, yeah, um, Nick used to poke me on Facebook. No, um, <laughs> it was yeah, through Star Wars, through IDW, for Star okay. Wars Adventures. Um, we've both been working on it, and. Um, I think um, one of the first things we worked on together, we'd both in a lot of issues um, where I'd write one story and Nick would be working on the other, um, writing and drawing them. And yeah, and I think then for the Vader's Castle series I did, which is now mm-hmm. morphed into something new for, for Dark Horse that we're still involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that was the first time we worked together, Nick, was it on the Ventress story? Was that the one? Yeah, yeah, the Ventress one. We, we'd mm-hmm. done, we'd been on, We'd been in the same issue a, a couple mm. of times, and yeah. then I think I think we first spoke on LinkedIn. I think that's where we first yeah. Pro- yeah. spoke to, each other. Uh, which is I think the, the only time I've ever used LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> so it, it, you know, so it worked out well. But um, mm. but uh, yeah, then we did Vader's Castle, which was it was great fun because for me it was the first time I got to do. Um, a whole issue of Star Wars Adventures because I'd just been doing the eight-page uh, stories, mm-hmm. so I got yeah. I got to sink my teeth into a longer thing. Um, and that was the um, story, Little Sarlacc, Little Sarlacc of Horrors, um, uh, because most of the Vader's castles have a pun to some kind mm-hmm. of horror film or comedy film, and, and yeah. so yeah, it was a story of long tentacled monstrosities. Um, and Ventress, one of the coolest characters in Star Wars, anyway. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, so that obviously spun out. Eventually, came out to be Dead Seas over at IDW, yes. uh, the six-issue miniseries. The first issue came out the twenty-first of December, um, mm-hmm. and then the second issue just released, uh, like what mm-hmm. last week. Um, mm-hmm. It hit, it hit the uh, it hit the newsstands, which they used to say now because they don't actually hit newsstands anymore. <laughs> they actually they, they only go to LCSs and stuff. Yeah. But um, it's written by. Uh, you, Kevin's art by yeah. Nick, uh, and then lettering by Sean Lee. Uh, letterings, I, I like to call out lettering too because the lettering in this mm. book is excellent. Uh, so, really we'll, you know, Sean did a great job on that. But uh, I was going to read the solicitation for it, but it's quite long, honestly. <laughs> 
but ghosts are real and dangerous. And that's a big point of this book itself. Mm. Um, how did Dead Seas get to be come to fruition and, and how did it end up at IDW? Can any either one of you talk to that? Um, Go ahead. I think uh, because we, we we got to know each other and speak and speak to each other throughout the Star Wars thing, uh, Kevin had said to me, "How'd you fancy doing a non-Star Wars thing?" Um, and I was like, "Absolutely! What have you got?" And he he had a handful of ideas. One of them being this Dead Seas one. There was another space thing and whatnot. And De Dead Seas just sounded pretty unique and different. And I was like, "That sounds that sounds really good." And um, uh, and so then as soon as he, he gave me the, the, the general gist of the idea, I just started scribbling monsters and ghosts and firing them, firing them at him. And, um, and that evidently pushed him along the road a little bit. So, <laughs> so then we started to more properly develop the pitch more, more in depth. Uh, and then after a, a while, we had, you know, five pages of art and a whole pitch ready, which we... Mm which we sent to many different people, um, including IDW. In fact, I, I'm not sure if we sent it to them originally, did we? We, we, we visited no. a lot of people. I think because we've been working with IDW so much, we, we approached others um, and, uh, you know, had some interesting conversations with the people. But eventually when we did talk to IDW, they just, they just jumped on it, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Chase, the editor, who's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I'd been working with him on Transformers Back to the Future. And um, at the end of that, he said, oh, I'm actually moving off of comics into a, the other sort of side of business um, for IDW on TV and films. But if there's ever anything you want to do, you know, it could drag me back a bit, you know, and he can be in both worlds. And, and that's when I said to Nick, do you know what that thing we've been pitching around and it was still i think was someone else at that point but they were dragging their feet and it was mm -hmm. just like shall yeah. we just send it over and see what they think it's called ghost ship there for obvious reasons <laughs> um and and yeah and, it, and literally i think it was the quickest thing the, the contract took forever because these things always do yes. but the actual thing of chase going oh we've got to do this um it came within seconds of the email being sent off and they were just starting to do their um sit, sit, put together the, the originals like yeah um which um and there was a there was one conversation where like we were originally going to do it slightly later and they said well if you could move it forward you know it could be at the end of the first wave and we were yeah. like can we do that and then nick said yeah you could put it in his schedule and that's when it sort of became part of this first wave and uh, i had mentioned that to you originals. uh pr prior to recording kevin that that the original series they're doing over at IDW are excellent. You guys are in great company uh, mm, with the other uh, series that they come have come out. Uh, and I'm excited to see We have breath of shadows also coming out here pretty soon mm. as well. And so that's pretty cool to see that you guys are part of that, but, but to, to expand on the actual solicitation ghosts are real and yep. dangerous, yes. uh, but they're also valuable with their ectoplasm capable of curing uh, countless Ill diseases and illnesses. Um, but mm. it's one problem, harvesting it, the drug is deadly. And mm. it's uh, you, uh, the prisoner uh, Gus Ortiz is willing to take a risk in um, return for a reduced sentence uh, to mm. see his daughter again, obviously, you know, a few months off of his time, uh, a few months of time getting this ectoplasm yeah. uh, helps him yeah. from, you know, staying longer in prison. Um, yeah. The, I love this. When I read it for the first time, I was like, this is like Ghostbusters meets The Rock, uh, Con Air, Alcatraz. 
Uh, um, and then I thought to myself, uh, if this was made into a feature film or a TV show, uh, do you contact Nicolas Cage to be <laughs> to be in this? Because I just feel like it just fits. It would fit him as a Only role. Only if he plays all the ghosts, um, and that's how I would. I would. I would love. I would like him to see him playing the ghost. Actually, there's a character called Elvis. Yeah. Um, oh. um, so Elvis was. He came out of one of Nick's original sketches. He drew. drew and originally it was a prisoner of someone who obviously had a, you know, a passion for the king. Yeah. And I, I thought it'd be funny if we made him one of the, one of the guards and he's called Russell after Kurt Russell who play, played Elvis in the, in the TV movie. Mm -hmm. um, and he bases his life on Elvis. And so Nick Cage would be amazing for Elvis. Oh, should, we yeah. get, should we get our people to talk to his people? Yes. Nick? Is that something we can get on the, can get him on the phone? Because I feel like Elvis in the in the uh, in the comic book also is pretty uh, you know self centered to the point where he's like they call me Elvis and then people don't call him Elvis and then finally he goes no call me Elvis people really do call me Elvis yeah <laughs> yeah you do get the feeling he's just gone around saying my nicknames are it's really Elvis <laughs> just call me Elvis <laughs> and no one will call him Elvis. No. <laughs> Uh, it, yeah. But I mentioned the Ghostbusters thing. It was just mm. kind of funny because it's the old ectoplasm and all that stuff. Mm. However, Nick, your interpretation of these ghosts are so super creepy and original. Uh, they're beautiful. And I love that aspect of it when Thank I was you. reading it for the first time. And every time I've read it since, I've read it two or three times now, it goes back to that same thing. And the baby heads on the big one are just, it's creepy, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or originally, um, Originally, like uh, I, I had them more as these really uh, like fragmented um, mishmash monsters, you know, like as if as if there was there was more than one thing going on in this in these things. But now um, I, the, the design is more based on um, a, li a little bit like I guess a little bit like the Ghostbusters ghosts, you know, they reflect. Yeah the way they died in in their appearance after death and stuff like that you know um but uh yeah the baby thing it well when i when i'm drawing these things one of the things that i try and do is make myself feel a bit sick you know and 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 it works it, it, sometimes you know there have been times where i'm going oh you know like why why am i drawing this but uh it was it was pointed out to me that this is now the third comic I've written that has a giant baby in it, um, and one of them is actually a Ghostbusters comic. I did the um, I did the anniversary real Ghostbusters comic, and there's a baby that looks very much like President Trump um, in it. And then in my um, creator own from Dark Horse, um, which is a sort of it's um, the ward, it's the yeah. ER meets monsters, um, and it, there's a, a, a issue when they have to go down the sewers and and help a giant task give birth, and there's a giant baby, um, and so it seems to be a theme that's coming. But actually, the funny thing is, I have a friend called George Mann who we both know, um, who I work with on Star Wars loads and loads of other things. Mm. He has a real problem with giant babies, and so now I just keep sending him <laughs> pictures <laughs> of them. It, it, it makes him feel really uncomfortable, and um, oh, wow, so every really time. Every time I do something, I'm now trying to ram in a giant baby, so to speak, um, to try and um, to just disturb him. And so, because when we first started the child, he who's that giant baby character in, yeah. in that season, it wasn't actually so babyish, yeah. um, you know, in design, was it? It was just it, Nick had drawn this amazing um, monster ghost in the sort of like the pitch document, um, pitch comic yeah. we did. 
and we were like, we we need we need it to say something, or those hairs to say something that's creepy. And I think Nick suggested mother, and so it became mother, 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 and um. And then, so then when we got into writing the comic properly, it, it became an entire thing. And as I'm absolutely fed into the story. I mean, Nick's at the minute drawing issue six, aren't you? And and it's where it all comes home to roost, the entire mother thing. And and yeah, yeah. it's um, it's funny how these things happen. And it, But it shows how, why I've loved working with Nick on this, because it is those moments where the story's gone on a completely different direction because we've, you know, this bit, we've got this ghost, what's still it be saying? Um, and... <laughs> these things come out of that in in my head it, it, it was saying it you know like uh ruprecht <laughs> in the, in the other. <laughs> i think it's, it's it's creepy in its own sense because if you think about it children are supposed to be this innocent beautiful things and, and seeing a creepy-esque version of it and, and saying mother it's like i can just picture my son saying mama and like giving me nightmares or something now because of this thing and i felt like at this comic book club I, I go to every month that we talked last night about um, how it's very hard to get scared from a comic book. Mm -hmm. Like it's really hard to like, like a movie can jump scare you with loud mm -hmm. noises and the immersion into the screen. Um, but on a comic book, it's, you can have that turn the page. Oh my gosh, what's that? But like the feeling of uneasy is you yeah. can get out of the books, pages of a comic book. And that I feel like is what this ghosts give you that aspect of uneasiness. And I think that's one of those, uh, uh, things that you accomplished really well in this book. Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, you made me feel uneasy, and that's what's great about this book. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you're sorry for doing our job. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but the idea that ghosts are real is a fun mm. take on it too, and that that having the they're not just real. Like there's there's easy to write a story to say that ghosts are real and you're afraid of them, but the idea that they're someone can try to profit off of it. It goes to real and they're using uh, their ectoplasm to not only cure illnesses, but someone's trying to profit off of the mm. fact that they can, they can harvest it. And I, it feels relatable to the world we live in right now in the sense that Does people try to profit for profit <laughs> prisons and that people are, uh, you know, there's, there's putting people in danger in these prisons, but also profiting off of them. Is there a relation to that when you were writing this book? Okay. Oh, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, there have always been chain gangs. Yes. You know, as, as long as people have prisoners, they've had prisoners making stuff or doing stuff or digging up roads or breaking rocks and all those kind of things. So it, it doesn't, it's not too much of a leap to, you know, work out. And now as we are in a world where there are private prisons, which I still can't get my head around at all, that this is a thing that, you mm -hmm. know, that, that they're run as, as businesses. Um yeah, I mean, it, it was it absolutely lending to that. And let's face it, if they, if ghosts were a real thing and they were on every corner, the two ways to make business were, out of it would be getting rid of them mm -hmm. um, or profiting, finding a way of profiting from their very existence. And big business would do it. And we live in a world of big business. And so, um, yeah, that was very much, you know, I, I, it started with the idea, the very basic of idea of, I like disaster movies. They'll be better with ghosts. Let's do the Poseidon adventure mm -hmm. with ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, but then I had to make that, you know, I didn't want it to be that they they arrive there and they find the ships haunted and they have to, I wanted out the gate for us to say, look, they're here, they exist. You know, there's a reason why these people are on the ship. Um, and so, yeah, and I think the going beyond these these sort of six issues, if we do get a chance to return to this world, I mean, there's so many stories you could tell about a world where ghosts are. Um, I still love the opening, the, the, the page that Nick 
drew of the little girl with the her grandma behind her you know and, and the idea that the kid's not even scared no. it's just the fact that ghost is back again yeah. because it wants to sing a lullaby um and that's basic that that would happen i years ago i had an, I, a, a dream when my ki first kid was born i dreamt about my grandma my, my grandma's ghost coming back and 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 me telling her look you're just going to scare the baby <laughs> and so there was and it was only Ooh. it was only when i we were doing these press rounds and stuff that i sort of re remembered back and wondered if that's where that moment came from but um yeah it's that you know if if we could have if our if all the family could come back and see you all the time i mean it's bad enough at christmas you know when when the family comes around and you just want them to leave if there was a ghost you literally couldn't move out that'd be terrible because no. <laughs> every family's always stayed wait well, one day too long as it mm. is so if they won't leave that's a, that's another another whole story yeah. <laughs> but yeah the the and, and i see the relation also to the idea that we profit a lot off of the medical industry at least in the United States, a lot too, is where there's like this, you know, $500 for insulin or whatever it may be. And the idea that someone could take this, oh my gosh, these things can cure illnesses. Let's profit off of it. And it's just, it's, it's this craziness that makes me go. Yeah. It's so, and I think that's one thing that I feel like as I talk to more creators about comic books and the, and the relation to the real world we live in, that some people, like when I tell my coworkers to my day job, I go, hey, I'm going to book club tonight. And they're like, oh, what book did you read? And they're expecting me to say this novel by this amazing author. And I say, I'm going, you know, last night we discussed Something's Killing the Children, volume one. And they're like, what? You're reading comic books? And I'm like, well, but there's some relations to real world things that people put in these things that you can get at these things. It's not just funny books anymore, um, that there is some learning lessons from these things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could. We only saw that. So we started working on this pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. and then, obviously, I mean, over here in the UK, I mean, all kinds of things are coming up out now. Of people who have profited out of PPE <laughs> and all those kind of things, and and yeah, so it just became more and more relevant the longer you know we had to to work on it because of everything we've seen over the last few years. And I think those kind of revelations are going to come for years to come. Um, and we realize how much people did profit. And I'm not talking a conspiracy way. I just no, mean that yeah. people would have gone, oh, here's something. We can we can make money off of this because that's human nature, unfortunately. Well, I mean, in, Go ahead. In, a, in a way, this is sort of perverse perhaps, but like in a way we we profited, you know, because mm. like the, the, the comics, the comics mm. sales went up, you know, and like I, I worked more than I ever have during, mm. during lockdown. Mm. Uh, you know, I I got more and more work because people were buying the books. So yeah. I don't know. It's a weird it, one. It also boils down to this is fake and this is made up and this is fun as well. Like I don't want to like get all oh, no, it's serious. A documentary. On this this yes. is it's a documentary. It was an um, all true story. Yeah. Well, I mean that is that's not that is Nick right there, right? isn't it? <laughs> it's my dad actually. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's it's that's the truth thing truth about it also is these are fake these are great stories and they're and they're well written and, and i love uh again one of the benefits to waiting uh, a little bit to do this recording was i was able to read issue two which mm -hmm. hadn't been out yet when we originally scheduled this so yeah. that's pretty cool about that so i was able to learn a little bit more and and there's some obviously without spoiling it there's twists that i didn't see coming which was great uh you know in in, in the second issue and, and i'm guessing that goes further than that as well uh, uh in in the storyline uh which is fun but is there 
with this creator owned driven uh, project with both of you, is this better, worse, the same as drawings or, or creating Star Wars and, and doing Star Wars related things? Like, is it like, I know for like me, if I ever got to the point where I was able to draw or create a intellectual property, that's like this massive thing that I grew up on, it would be like a dream come true. But like mm. now that you've lived in the world of creating and drawing Star Wars is something like creating your own, own comic books, the same, better, worse. Um, I am, um, I, I, I'd have to say it's better, um, for me because I, I could put more of myself into mm-hmm. it. I mean, um, there, and, and there is, there has been a lot of our personal lives put in into this book, regardless of how outlandish it may seem. Um, and, uh, but you know, on the flip side, you know, drawing Star Wars is, like you say, a dream come true. I've been I've been into Star Wars since 1977. So like, to to be able to to be able to get involved in it is beyond amazing, you know. And um, but yeah, I think it's I think every creator wants to wants to do their own thing, you know. I think anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I I I'm very lucky, very very lucky that my to do list is, hasn't changed since I was ten, yeah. and so and. There is an absolute joy to working on something like Star Wars, which has been such a huge part of my life, and I still have to pinch myself. And it's it's done amazing things for me. Um, there is also a joy in not having the guardrails around you that you have to try and work with something else, or you know you have to bear in mind what's going on in this TV show or whatever, you know, and and starting from scratch and and creating something new the funny thing is that very soon you find how you've got to put those guardrails in yourself otherwise it paralyzes you completely and if you can do anything you never write a story um but yeah i i i I think i will always want to try and balance it and do some of my own stuff and also work in some ips i mean that's where i've come from the ip work probably Mm. um it's fair to say um i'm doing less now um because of opportunities like dead seas and and i'm definitely trajectory I, i want to go in but um at the end of the day there's also that point when you go I mean it's not so much now when I used to go down to the school yard and drop the kids off you know and they were saying what are you doing oh I'm writing a novel and I'm doing this kind of thing and they go oh right what's it about and you have to go it's ghosts and they're real and they go, oh that's interesting what else are you doing I'm working on Star Wars and everyone goes because yeah. they, they know it so um that's when you realize how important it is you know again and it reminds you how cool it is that you know and that my desk is you know cluttered with Amrak bar figures and, yeah. and and various you know bits and bobs and Ewoks and, and for, yeah. for me it's funny at family at family dues like um because you'll have someone you know someone will say so what is it you do and I'll say <laughs> I, I I draw comics you know for Star Wars and and they'll go you know you mean Star Wars Star Wars and <laughs> yeah you know and they're like no way you don't do that and I'm like yeah I do you know. And uh, that's cool. You know, that's fun. <laughs> no, you dress Star Wars. Star Wars knows a Star Wars with a Z on the end. It's a ripoff. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't tell Disney. This is fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but yeah, it, it is one of those, uh, uh, you know, Star Wars uh, is, I feel like there's, people who don't even realize that there's Star Wars comic books too. I feel like there's this fringe people who watch the movies, see it on Disney plus, and then don't realize that like, it's honestly way more Star Wars comic books out now than I don't. I think 
possibly ever. Like, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> yeah, like any point well, in history. You know, yeah. It's like the bounty hunters. And I know. Do you yeah. accidentally, Kevin, at all ever like, oops, like I, I can't write Yoda into this. Like, this is my own story. I can't, I can't no, put Yoda. No, in I, I know. Yeah. I, I never got to that point. I mean, but the, the interesting thing about it is you're right. There is so much. And yeah. I think when you're writing something like Star Wars, I'm very much aware that the minute I'm doing lots of Star Wars yeah. and I've been involved in High Republic and all this stuff, my time in Star Wars will pass. Yes. because that's how this job works you know there'll be a point where there'll be new people coming in and they'll be writing different versions of canon and all those kind of things just as i used to work on doctor who and now i don't so much so things move on and i think that's why it's important to have your own things as well because it means you know that's yours completely and no one's going to be able to change it and while i'm absolutely 100 percent fine with people coming in and changing star wars yeah. or doctor who or whatever pacific rim or anything in the future because it's not mine you know the stuff me and nick are doing with this and other stuff we're, we're looking at and the other series i work on they're mine they're ours yeah and so the only person who can change that is us um and i think that that makes a massive bit of a massive difference when you're working on it because it doesn't feel so so of the moment it feels like it's something that will last because it's something that you're creating from scratch does it help that it's a mini series um I mean, like, this it story help, like, the beginning, much... the finite. I mean, it, it can be. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, like... yeah, yeah. I mean, this one is very much a story in its own right, you know. So, um, I've got a real habit of trying to work out what the next sequel is, but with this one, I mean, we've had that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I... but yeah, I mean, this one in particular, it, it did feel. I mean, originally we pitched it for issues and then IDW were lovely and went, Do you want six? and we were like, Yes, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and that doesn't happen. Happen very often. Um, and so, yeah, this this definitely has got a beginning, middle, and, and a definite end. And we knew what the end was, right? You know, right from the conception of it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> For me, I like doing miniseries. I've always been a fan ever since. Um, ever since uh, I discovered Hellboy. Yeah, I discovered him. I made him famous. Um, Did you? Uh, no, amazing. Like, when yeah, when I first uh, like encountered the, the, the Hellboy books, I just loved that format, you know, every year at that time. Anyway, every year or two, Mignola would suddenly pop up with a new series and it'd be like, oh, great. You know, and you could get like you could really sink your teeth into the story, live in it for a while and then walk away and then come back at, at another point. So I've always been a fan of miniseries. I did um, a book called uh, Amelia Cole, which was 30 issues consecutively and that destroyed me you know what i mean that 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 really really killed me because like that that just did, you know in fact that was when i changed over from being a teacher to to like a full-time artist it was because of that that book um but yeah i like the uh the five or six and stop and I, and I think there's a, something to say. I had this conversation recently because as you guys probably see on the market right now, there's a lot more mini series than there are ongoing titles. And But that doesn't mean they have to stop at five or six issues. I feel like right. it might be more, and I might get more out of it as a reader if like you took a character from Dead Seas even and the second volume wasn't just a continuation of the story, but it was like, okay, we're going to focus on, you know, is it Isa? Isa? Uh, you know, yeah. Isa. Focus yeah. on her and, and and her background and things like that. Like you could go a different direction instead of having to try to take. I mean, I don't know how someone like Todd McFarlane has done three hundred and some odd issues of Spawn. Like I just don't like that. To me, doesn't you know? And and then in Brian K. Vaughn are continuing with Saga and things like that. Like it's a long time to write the same yeah. 
storyline and having these mini series, it can be a continuation. The next six issues could be pick up where you left off at the end, but it could also be a, you know, Yoda or, you know, the blade, some sort of variation of the main story too. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's definitely how we'd be looking at anything to do with it. It's the world we're interested in. Yes. You know, we've seen a little snapshot of it on this, on the petition, this boat. Um, but there's literally a whole world out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that are dealing with these problems. So um, I think that's what makes this one interesting. Mm-hmm. I also like that it's on, uh, at sea. I feel like, I don't know why, I just didn't, I couldn't think of another comic book release, related recently that I've read that's you know based in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. I just, don't, just... I, it's, I just don't know why. I mean, I just started thinking about, like, what else is based in the ocean right now? It's that the, the Dead Seas would be out there, uh, you know, with that one, too. <laughs> it's usually under the ocean, isn't yes. it? That you see mm-hmm. but like very rarely on this on the actual surface um, <clears throat> yeah and i like well, that my- it's on a boat not an island like it easily could have been right. alcatraz like you could have easily written in that it was alcatraz prison or some sort of riker you know rikers island or some sort of prison that's still yeah. out in the ocean but the fact that it is on a boat makes a lot of sense I mean, I did want to yeah. sink it, so islands would be more problematic. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, I mean, you can do it. You figure, <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> Enough explosive, no explosive material, right? You yeah. can sink that island. That, yeah. That's for the next volume, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gets shipwrecked on an island, then you have to blow the island up. There you go, uh, and that's that's when the Dead Sea's crossover. Definitely get Nicholas Cage in for that it's, one. Yeah. And it cro- <laughs> that's when the Dead Sea Star Wars crossover is happens right there. Too, you know, <laughs> but no, so it's a great, I mean, like I said, six issues, two issues are out now. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys obviously also just released, I want to plug a little bit here too, is you have uh, Tales of the Rancor Pit also just came out, mm-hmm. right? And that's something you yep. guys both worked on together, came out January 3rd. Uh, you can grab that online or anywhere books are sold. Um, yeah. That was a fun project, I'm guessing, to work on as well together, more Star Wars stuff between you two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I got I, it was lovely getting to draw Jabba's palace, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, the inside of Jabba. I, I love drawing Jabba, um, and uh, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. That's awesome. It was nice because in the in the in the Vader's castle books, yes, um, <clears throat> Frank Francovilla did all the all the the couching story, didn't he, and the covers. And uh, so I, it, for me, it felt like, oh, I've graduated, you know, <laughs> he's gone and I've come in. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, so that book's available right now. January 3rd, it came out. Uh, but Dead Seas is available, IDW. Your local comic book shop should have all of these available uh, or issues one and two, hopefully. Um, and I'm guessing it's going to be released in trade format at some point, right? Yeah, um, it will be. And, and there is something else. That Nick and I have been working on, which we can't say anything else yeah. about, but I yeah. think that's going to be announced this month. We're February now, aren't we? Yes, yes. it's going to be yeah. announced this month. Um, and literally have nothing else I can say, but that's been a fun little project we've worked on in the middle of, of, of um, Dead Sea. There you go, and, and you won't be able to ignore it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I like everything you guys have done, so there you go. I won't be able to ignore it anyway, so there you go. <laughs> I got I got to catch up on some reading though, Kevin. I've got some some books to read. <laughs> There'll be another three out by the time you've got it's, through that. Lot, so you know. it's like you and Charles and Justina. There's just everybody. I mean, it's just crazy. You guys, this is this is what some conversation I've had with someone. I don't want to get too much Star Wars talk going, but like that the fact that the Star Wars universe has grown and is there something for everybody, whether you're a comic book mm-hmm. reader, or a novel reader, 
a TV show, movies. There's just video games. It's just insane. It's, for a Star Wars fan, back in 1977, I was born in 86, so it wasn't 1977 when I fell in love with Star mm-hmm. Wars. But for a younger version of me, to see that this is all we have, we have all this options now for Star Wars is insane. So it's really cool. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> so we'll take it while you while you can give it to us, Kevin and, and Nick, obviously. Yeah. But um, but yes, uh, Dead Seas available, IDW, local comic book shops. You guys are both available on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff too, right? I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Um yep. uh, social media is on there. Uh do either one of you have anything else you want to say on the podcast to people? Um see you at celebration, Star Wars celebration. I'll, you'll you'll be able to find me wandering about like this, <laughs> yeah. celebrating. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, I really appreciate you two taking the time out of your day. Uh, you know, you guys are both busy too. busy people, and uh, I'm glad we were able to do this and and talk uh, this. And you'll have to let me know. We'll we'll talk, and I'll talk to Laura too about when this next project's coming out. I'll get in touch with her to get in touch with you guys. I don't have your direct contact information, but we'll figure out what we can talk about that too. And I can make sure it's up on the website to make sure people know about it. So definitely. definitely. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, I know I'm excited to read the next uh, four issues of this book and hopefully more in the future. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks, Justin. Take care. care.